tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Oh, the scepter shall not leave Judah. You know, the first king of Israel in the Old Testament was Saul. He was a Benjaminite. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He wasn't from the tribe of Judah. That was not the right one. He didn't hold the scepter because of his own. Remember, his kingdom is supposed to be at peace and expand. He's disobedient. He doesn't understand God's role for him or in sacrifices. And in his pride, he said, I'm just going to do it my own way. God removes him and gets David. David, the son of Jesse. So the root of David. So now... David is king, and God promises David, you're going to have a king to last forever on the throne. That's David is from the tribe of Judah. So now these things are coming together. There shall come forth, Isaiah 11, verse 1, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of, De- of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. In the verse 10 of Isaiah 11, in that day the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire in his resting place, shall be glorious. Now, check this out. Isaiah writes this way after David has existed on the earth. David's dead. So wait, a stump of Jesse? What does this mean? Isaiah is prophesying to a people who are getting ready to get kicked out of the promised land because of their disobedience and their going after false images and false desires and replacing God with created things. He says, hey, you're getting ready to get kicked out, but God's still in control. He's going to bring about a root of David. It's going to come about. And this Jesus, Jesus is the consummation. He's, he is the fulfillment, rather, of this prophecy in Isaiah. He says now, this angel says, he has conquered so that. It was all part of the plan. It was all part of God working his plan. He would be the worthy one to open the scroll and execute the plan. He fulfilled the old covenant. Jesus said he did that at the last supper. I'm, I'm fulfilling this and I have a new covenant for you. He implements a new covenant for his people and he, re- he does this through the authority that was uh, restored to him upon his ascension before God's throne. But verse 6 is just enormous. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. John turns... This elders, hey, we got somebody that's worthy. And I wonder if John turned looking for a lion, but he sees a lamb. What went through his mind? Jesus conquered, not by the might that everybody was expecting. Not by that crouching to attack as a lion does or a lioness. Jesus conquered by being slaughtered. And it was promised way in the beginning of the Bible. When Adam and Eve sinned and God, he pronounces the, the the curses, but those are the consequences of the sin that now has been introduced in their relationship with God. And he curses the serpent as well. And it's all over scripture. We see this picture of this lamb, this lion who conquers as a lamb. We see it all through scripture. Genesis 3.15, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 
Exodus 12, we have the story of the Passover where the lamb is to be slaughtered and the blood be put on the doorposts so the, the angel of death would see the blood and pass over the house. We have this replicated over and over and over again in the altar of sacrifice that was in front of the tabernacle and then the temple. And Isaiah 53 says there's going to come, a, there's, there's coming a lamb that's going to do away with all of these sacrifices. In Isaiah 53, 7, he said he's like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that, that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And then we come to John the Baptist who sees Jesus in John 1, 29. He says the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, the storyline of the Bible was that victory would come not through superior might in a physical sense. It would actually come through the opposite. What is, this, what is the, the, the physical weakness that every human being Dreads and avoids. Death. See what Genesis 3.15 said. Is there's going to come. There's a wounded victor. That's going to come. And this wounded victor. We see foreshadowed all through the Old Testament. And John the Baptist says that's the one. That's the lamb. That will do away with all the sacrifices. The storyline is that this wounded victor would remove the penalty of our sins in order to have us reconciled to God, to have his fellowship restored, the fellowship that was unbroken in the Garden of Eden. God is restoring and he's moving it all toward a new heaven and a new earth when that experience will never fade. It will, it will not be broken by our own uh, desires and, and unfulfilled expectations and, and wanderings. It will be God sealing us for himself. And he does it through his son. But there's a spiritual principle that we all see. And we see recorded in the Old Testament and New. And that, that strength is found in weakness. We see in the story of David and Goliath. The strength of the mighty Goliath and the weakness of David the boy. We see this over and over and over again. The Apostle Paul says it so clearly in 2 Corinthians 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's weird for us to think about even as believers, those who are growing in our faith because we want to be spiritually strong. And we should want to get that spiritual strength. And it is something that we ask God for and we pursue God in his word and through prayer and fellowship. We want him to make us strong. But God continues to come to us and say, it's when you're weak. That's when you'll find the strength. Paul goes on, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I've been blessed by the Lord to be walking with him since I was 11 years old. And I'm so grateful but I still am trying to figure out how to be strong in my weakness. So in me, I say, Lord, can you just come and give a new heaven and a new earth so it can be done with the battle? But I know all along, 
God is revealing himself to me and providing the healing that all of us need. He, he gently brings us, we've heard it said before, to the end of ourselves. He, he brings up sometimes pain in order to provide his healing. Because in that's we, we replicate the wounded victor in that. We have wounds, but we're not defined by those wounds. What are we defined by? Jesus, the victor, the one who has conquered. And so we learn to walk in this brokenness, but yet it's really strong because Jesus is our identity. And this, this lamb has seven horns and seven eyes. This is where my brain gets in a little train wreck. Seven horns. What does this look like? I looked up pictures. Like, what do people think this looks like? And I found that they have these little stubby horns. Because this, this is a lamb. It's a little being. It's a little lamb. It's not an adult. So it's got these little stubby things. And that doesn't look strong to me. And seven eyes right here. That's a little freaky to think about. This past weekend, community group, we were talking about uh, just heaven and how all of heaven will be uh, more. See, right, what we think might be freaky with seven eyes on his head might be regular in heaven because God might create more beings that we just don't know about. And he's going to reveal those and we'll worship him for those. So he's got all the creativity. We struggle with it. He's got all of it. So what? we can just let our minds go a little bit, what that's going to be. But these seven horns, think of, think of a ram, because little baby rams are called lambs too. Think of a ram that's got horns growing in these curls. And six of them and seven, they're going to look wherever that's going to be. And what, what are those for? They're growing for battle. Because we know what rams do to protect territory, to protect their own, and say, nope, I rule here. Jesus is being shown with this power and the seven represent complete power and the seven eyes represent complete wisdom and knowledge. He's the one who has been slain to purchase us for his glory and he says this, I have the power and I have the wisdom to execute the plan. And he says, come with me. I got you. You know, you can think of back in uh, Genesis when when Abraham and Isaac are on Mount Moriah and they're, Abraham's getting ready to, to sacrifice his son, the angel stops him, and there's a ram caught in the thicket. That's a picture of Jesus with his ram horns getting caught in the crown of thorns in that thicket. God provides the sacrifice. Ah, oh, the pictures are just all over the place. It's all about Jesus. Let's remind us again He wins. He wins. He wins it all. And he does it with his power. And he does it with his wisdom and his knowledge. This lamb is complete power and complete wisdom. And he is the one who is worthy to execute the will of God contained in that scroll. And I love this picture. Jesus walks over and he takes the scroll out of the Father's hand. What worthiness. And that then... That gets everybody in on worship. That was, that was a, there, there are new songs at the bottom half of this, verses 8 through the end of the chapter, the 14. This is, this is everybody breaking out in worship. 
Because something miraculous and glorious and wonderful just happened. Isn't that how worship works? We see God for who he is and it just comes out of us. It flows out of us. So these are new songs for a fresh revelation. And it starts with the inner circle. It starts with the 24 elders who fall down again. Remember, we saw this in in the last chapter, in chapter 4. They're taking the crowns and they're casting it before the Lord. And this is what what an awesome picture. And so now they see Jesus and so they want to worship again. They've got harps. I kind of hope those are electric harps. Not like harpsichord. I mean, this is a powerful thing for me. So we don't have to get locked into. This, this scene is way too powerful for the harp concept that we have. They have musical instruments. And this is getting, this already been loud. That loud angel, mighty angel is a big, big angel, strong angel. We're going to see in a second, the angels are loud. So this is not just a, oh, how cute. Jesus is the lamb slain. This is powerful. This is big. And you feel the intensity building as each song is sung. And what I love, oh, moms, catch this. Verse 8. When he had taken the scroll of the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Not one of your prayers is lost. Not one of your prayers is overlooked or disqualified or didn't have enough juice on it to get into that bowl. Nope. It's all of them. And you know what? We look in the Old Testament, there was uh, incense that was always burning in the tabernacle and the temple. And, and we find from Leviticus that God wanted that incense there to be a pleasing aroma to him. So when we carry this through, what's the pleasing aroma before God's throne? Our prayers. So he wants us to pray because he wants his throne room to smell really cool. And he calls us to participate with our own prayers. And not one is missed. He doesn't miss any of them. So there's this new song. And the first thing is worthy. Worthy is this lamb who takes the scroll and opens its seal. And then the work is done. You have ransomed people from all corners of the earth, from every ethnicity. And there is wonder that is ahead. This wonder of a kingdom and priests. You have made a kingdom and priests who are God. Oh, the, the priest aspect that all of us are priests with God talks about the fellowship that we have with God and the the obedience and the work that is done with the priests in the Old Testament is representative of what we're supposed to do. It brings us together to experience his presence and to get others in his presence. And look, they shall reign on the earth. That indicates that it's not just one long worship service. We have responsibility And we are working with the Lord in connection with the Lord. We are ruling with him in heaven. But listen, that remember Romans 5, 17, it starts now. We reign in this life. Heaven's too powerful just to wait for us to get there. It spills over into our today. And we we have that in our minds and our 
in our walks with the Lord. So we have this inner circle. And you know who makes up the inner circle? The people, the, the ones that are closest to the Lord in his throne room, the redeemed, us. And then it branches out to the middle circle, which is the angels. And these angels get in on this. We're told myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands. That just means this, a lot, a lot, a lot. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of angels, angelic beings singing. And I love the fact that they sing with a loud voice because he's worthy. He, he doesn't, he doesn't require bring timidity. He's worthy. And when we see him, there should be some shouting that we do as well. And they give Jesus a sevenfold song, power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, blessing. You hear the cadence, you hear the rhythm. They want to pour this on Jesus and then it spreads to the outer circle, which is creation itself. All of creation sings, all of creation adds their voice to this chorus because he's worthy. He's the worthy lamb who has died and he has come back to life. To seal us for himself if we will repent and trust him with everything that we are. And he puts his spirit inside of us. So that makes this this reality, church. Every day is different because we have his presence. No day is defined by us. No day is defined by our mistakes. No day is defined by our, our infirmities or our brokenness. No day is defined by those. What defines us? Jesus defines us. The one, the lamb, standing as though he was slain on our behalf to secure us for himself. His redeemed that he loves and he enjoys being around his throne. And he says... Worship to worship. Give me your prayers. That's part of our worship. Every day is defined by Jesus. And so obviously the four living creatures say, amen. What's happening here? That's good. Amen. And the 24 elders repeat the cycle of worship and fall down again. So what does that mean for us? There's need for us to have our are all restored in Jesus. To not not have us settle for lesser things. Acts 2 shows us. We've all fallen into the trap of making more, we have more awe in ourselves than we do in God. But when we see Jesus' exaltation, it brings back the awe, it brings back his glory in Acts 2, verses 42, how, let's look at how the awe was happening in the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. How do we restore awe? We do the things that God said do. We, we seem to be on this quest to find these new experiences that will just reinvigorate or reignite our passion for the Lord, what did they do? They went to church. They went to community group. They had people over at their house breaking bread, enjoying time together, and they prayed. They prayed personally. They prayed as groups. So we do the, we do the ordinary things, and we, and we watch how God does extraordinary things with it. But we need to be awed, right? Amen? We need to be awed. 
by his glory. So we need our, we're going to sing Center My Life again because it's just appropriate. Before it was like, oh, okay, first song. Now we're thinking about it. All right. What does it mean to center our lives and not settle for lesser things? So let's stand up together and let's worship the Lord.
Amen. Our uh, commission, a little different from John, uh, John chapter 15. Jesus says to his disciples, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What do we do? We abide. We abide. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.